Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis. Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. Thank you for joining me and my guest for another great show. And I say that because... All my shows are great because my guests are great. They're very insightful. They're very accomplished professionals. They're uh, very interesting individuals. And I feel privileged and lucky that every Monday I get to talk to someone who is willing to share their expertise for the benefit of how myself or you make better decisions in your uh, profession or professional life or even personal life. I'm also very excited because this week I'll be launching my YouTube channel and I have been playing a bit with um, writing on LinkedIn, uh, writing my blog here and there. But now with the launch of my YouTube channel, I'm definitely going to commit to being regularly in the broad social media world, which is why I think it's so amazing that uh, my guest today, John David, is actually here to talk about that because he is an expert in how to build um, an online reputation. In fact, uh, the show today has the name of John's upcoming book, How to Protect or Destroy Your Reputation Online. So I am thrilled to have John here today with us. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's my absolute pleasure. And I'm very excited. I was, uh, you and I also talked offline about uh, the steps uh, that you went through to actually get to find a publisher for your book. And that's very interesting as well. If we have time today, we'll, we'll touch that. If not, we'll have you back on the show. Uh, but when I was doing the research and I came, um, you know, I, I came across the table of contents of your book, I thought, oh, my God, I need at least two hours because the, the um, every chapter sounded so interesting that I couldn't wait to get to today and uh, um, hear more uh, about what what you have to share so much uh, insight in, in a time that it's so relevant to all of us to have uh, to protect our reputation um, online. And because this is a show about decision making and uh, they are uh, the basis, our decisions are at the basis of everything we do, I would just love to hear from you or you to share with us um, how did you come to this point to, to be involved in this field and to write about what you write? Oh, absolutely. Well, my, I have a 25-year career in the public relations profession, working with clients, um, managing their, I, think, I guess, traditional uh, reputational issues. Uh, we do a lot of media relations and working with newspaper and, and, and reporters and um, working with journalists and magazines and on television. And there was a really a, a one moment about two and a half years ago when one of my, uh, I was referred to a client that was dealing with what I kind of describe as a rogue blogger. And uh, this, this blogger was writing uh, posts about an entire industry. And it doesn't really matter what the industry was that the for the, for, the, for the sake of the story. But the blogger was essentially attacking this industry. And one of the things that struck me, uh, they, they called me and consulted with me and asked me my opinion on it and what we should do and how we should handle it. And one of the things that really struck me was that this particular blogger didn't really have a high level of technical expertise to really be questioning the, this industry in the way that uh, he was questioning it. He didn't really have the educational background. He didn't have the professional background. But he had the platform 
that he had a blog and he had some people who were like-minded that followed him. And what it led me to, to believe was something that a lot of people, you know, already knew, but it really crystallized for me was that, you know, anyone can say pretty much whatever they want online. Uh, it gets easier every day to do that. And sometimes these folks go completely unchecked and they can do tremendous damage to an individual, uh, to a brand, uh, to any, any type of entity. And that really is where, where it started with me. It was working on this one assignment where, and, and after I worked on this assignment, I started to think about this as something that I could, I could weave into my, into my business because more and more people and more and more companies are dealing with online reputation issues and they don't understand how, how to handle them. Most of, the, most of the folks who reach out to me are in the middle of something. But at the same time, I also realized there was a lot of preventative steps that you could go through to, to uh, try to mitigate these issues so they don't, they don't come up. Um, and, and it just led into, um, it, just, it just led me down a path where there was many, many different options that, of things to talk about and to things to address. And, uh, and, I, and I started to get, get a bit of a following as, a, as an expert because really there was no one in this field that was you know, particularly well-known that was really looking at the whole entire field. And so I started to, uh, to try to, to fill that space. That's fascinating. And, and, and I'll tell you, it's fascinating as you're talking about, for me, from many different perspectives. So, you know, I, I often talk about the fact that uh, emotions, and I had a whole show on that, but emotions play a huge part in our decisions. And unfortunately, um, as good as they are, they're also bad. So people who are disconnected to their emotions cannot make good decision cognitively. But people who don't realize that the decision is taken, when I say people, I'm not excluding myself from this. I'm just referring to us as humans and our wiring and our processes, how our brains work. Um, We often uh, substitute the cognitive part of our decisions with the emotional part of decisions. So we jump from uh, a co- or interdependent relationship between emotions and cognition to a um, um, a leading relationship where the, the um, emotion takes uh, uh, charge and, let's say, leads to bad decisions or intuition is based on things that how do you feel about things, not what do you think about this. So that was the first thing that jumped to mind. There's a lot of... Um, angry people out there. And as you said, you know, I, uh, social media opens up um, this new avenue. Um, the other thing is that um, I, uh, I'm launching this uh, YouTube channel and I consider myself a broad or lateral thinker. Never did it cross my mind, had it not been for talking to you, what uh, does that mean uh, from an online reputation perspective. So, of course, I want to continue my brand, but building a brand, it's completely different to online reputation, or at least my perspective. Before we go on and we hear more from you, John, I just want to go through your bio just to read some of the key points. Uh, you've already mentioned that you have uh, more than 25 years' experience in public relations and communication industries, and that, that you experience most forms of corporate communication in crisis uh, manager management and that you work with different clients. But I also want to say that you frequently write about public relations and marketing, a David PR blog, and your insights on publicity, communications, and online reputation management are frequently published on the Huffington Post, which is a very reputable um, journal, newspaper, and and blog uh, that many of us in the in the business read. You have been quoted on a variety of marketing and PR-related topics in a number of other national media outlets, including. NPR.org and today.com. Uh, you also serve as a partner with online reputation management firm, webfactcheck.com, a website that enables businesses to effectively respond to negative internet posts like the type you described um, earlier. 
And of course, because some of those uh, negative posts have a legal implication, you also offer legal marketing assistance to attorneys through www.lawsuitpressrelease.com. You have a bachelor degree in public relations from the University of Florida's College of Journalism and Communications. And in your spare time, you are a weekend golfer and an adult leader with a Boy Scout. You live in Pine Crest, Florida, with your wife and two children, and you have an upcoming book that I cannot wait to read, so please let me know when it's coming out, which is going to be called, as I said, How to Protect or Destroy Your uh, Reputation Online. And this is going to be published by Career Press in late 2016. So let's go back to um, to what we're talking earlier. And uh, uh, I'm actually quite curious, if possible, to learn um, how did you, um, how did the first case you were uh, subjected to um, end up for that client? Thank you for the kind, uh, the kind words. The first case, it, it turned out that um, we were successful in, in essentially working with this, uh, reaching out to this blogger, and fortunately, um, he was looking to write something and was, tr- was digging for information, and between um, the, what the attorneys were doing and what the work that I was doing on their behalf, we were able to essentially um, throw up enough, throw enough barriers up to prevent this particular blogger from moving forward. So it was a successful, uh, it was a successful engagement, and um, and I've done and since then worked on, you know, dozens of different cases of online reputation issues, and I've never had one anything like that one. I mean, most case, and and what the, the only commonality with online reputation issues and is generally that. They're all a little bit different, yeah. and uh, and so in that case we were able to be successful. And you know, you talk about decision making. One of the things about that particular case, which I sort of look at, look at as my first online reputation case, was that I was emotional about it because when I started doing more research on the on on how these you know on on some of these blog sites, some of how these bloggers operate, I re- I realized that it was just, in my opinion, it was wrong. You know, and, it, and, it, it was, and it's not, uh, you know, it wasn't legally wrong. I mean, they have the right to do it by the First, Amend- the First Amendment, you know, the U.S. Constitution in America. You know, we can say we're allowed to, we have freedom of speech. But at the same time, when you have someone who is, doesn't have the standing to, is, is making a, 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 a public comment about something, it, it, I'm a very opinionated person, and so I sort of had an emotional response. It was just like, this is just wrong. And one of the reasons that I, that I, that I, in this industry is because I sort of have that strong opinion. I firmly believe in everyone's right of freedom, freedom of speech, but at the same time, the, there's a, you know, with such things comes responsibility. And, uh, and so I, I look at, I look at my, I look at my, myself in this business as someone who has, uh, you know, look at it more the kind of beyond the, the numbers and beyond the business side of it. Sometimes I just want to write a social wrong, I guess. I, I was saying that I completely resonate with it because, um, as you'd imagine, in order to, um, uh, you know, to launch this uh, YouTube channel, which for me, again, has to be consistent and it is about decision making and how we make not just preaching about decision making, but how we make decisions in different um, uh, disciplines or areas like the one, uh, the discussion you and I are having today, um, I, I checked out uh, um, the channels out there on decision making and like yourself I had more negative emotional reactions because there's there's a lot of misinformation about decision making or even misinterpretation of um, existing research on decision making that instead of educating uh, the public um, is leading the public down the wrong paths or or even uh, using out-of-date information about our brains and how we operate. So I can totally understand. What do you think you get from doing this job? Like, you know, I'm always interested in people's motivations, you, you know, the sense of... Um, uh, what motivated you to get involved and what motivated you to get involved into a field uh, just 
a couple of years ago because you were you were a few years ago because you were involved in this case and realized that it's a bit of an issue uh, with it and nobody's dealing with it. For me, it was a, a couple of different. There were a couple of different factors. I mean, one is that the traditional public relations industry is changing and it's been changing for the past decade, and with the, with the changes in in the media landscape and the essential demise of traditional printed newspapers and magazines are, you know, uh, the news, week, news magazines are, have been, you know, going, been phasing out. And just the changes in how people get their information, you know, the, my profession has been changing. And I, frankly, I saw an opportunity when it came to online reputation issues because I, I believe it to be a growing field. Um, and I believe that it's something that there's still, that there's a, a tremendous void in with of information that you still see people kind of making the same mistakes and I see it as an opportunity for for my business um, to to be at the you know the bleeding edge of, of an industry um, and also to help educate people uh, about about the, the risks that they face um, when it comes to their uh, their reputation online there's just so many things, and, and as you alluded to, uh, you know, I went from one working on one case, uh, one assignment uh, a couple years ago, to getting more cases and having more people reach out to me. And what I what I realized is that there was no playbook. You know, there was no uh, you know every 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 case was a little bit different, and uh, I had to do research and figure out how to solve them. And one of the things that led to writing the book was that there's just all this information that I was compiling and understanding how and learning how to learning learning this industry that it wasn't it wasn't compiled anywhere it wasn't all, it wasn't there's was no there was no master uh, workbook on it and so that was one of the reasons why I decided to write the book and you know what it's um, uh, it, it's very it sounds everything you say sounds very true to me because I love business I'm fascinated about the complexity of every business, even if it's like a two-people business or a one-person business. And I'm I'm amazed that with what we've created through our brains in the world around us, in business management, we repeat the same mistake over and over and over again. So what you said resonated with me. If I understand correctly, most of the content of the book, John, came from your experiences. Is that correct? Absolutely. And uh, so let's go back to talk more about your clients. I know that you describe, but but who are typically your clients and how, um, how do you get engaged with them? What do they come to you with? I actually talk about, you know, the, the, in my in my book, um, and I, I talk about the different types of online nightmares we, we like to call it. And there's really there's really three that I like that, that I believe happen. And the first is um, has has a has a tremendous amount of uh, decision making involved, and it really we we call it when people do dumb things. So when you make a mistake and you do something and it gets captured online, that's the that's a, a the the first the first online nightmare, and those are uh, we've we've seen it all. Any you know the strange little videos that come out, or when people say things, and when people tweet out foolish things, um, and that's the kind of the typical the the typical online uh, nightmare, and that's what most people think of when they think of an online reputation issue. What give us an example of at least a couple of foolish things? Because you know uh, what strikes me is that the person who's making it uh, may not know at the time when they're doing it that what they're doing they're actually foolish. Sure, I mean I think that there's um, there there are a lot of them. Um, you know, one one issue that came up um, was a you know a, a young man who uh, went. Uh, was uh, of legal drinking age, but he went out one night and he, you know, got kind of terrifically drunk, and uh, he ended up got to the point where he was um, uh, picked up by the police, and he, they were fearing for his safety because he actually drank drank so much, and he they took him to the hospital, and he had a uh, blood alcohol level of of over point four, point four two two or something like that. Which is um, which 
and some people who have a blood alcohol level of 0.4 die. So that's how yeah, bad this yeah. guy was. So he was in, so the police were worried about his, his well-being. They took him to the hospital. And he was a terrible patient while he was in the hospital that, that night. And he essentially uh, broke out of the hospital. And uh, he was outside the front of the hospital, and the police officially arrested him, and they arrested him in his uh, hospital gown. You know, the gowns that sort of tie in the back and where your, yep, you know, yep. your rear end is exposed and all those things. <laughs> and that police report was picked up and posted on, uh, on, a, on a website, and then it went, as they say, it went viral. Um, yeah. And so here was, this, here was this young man who has this, this story about, uh, that's all over, all over the Internet um, about, his, about his, his, his crazy night. And, you know, it's, um, you know, such things happen in the world, right? I mean, um, uh, you know, I'm, I've... I've had, I've had, I've never had a night like that. But when I was in, when I was in college, I've had some nights I'm not proud of, and things like that. But this turned into, you know, a national news story. And when, you know, the next time this guy wanted to go get a job or look for a job, anytime an employer Googled him, you know, this story would come up, and it was preventing him from getting a job. And uh, and so there, and and I've seen these situations, you know, many times. And there's a really famous one. Um, there was a woman named Justine Sacco, who is a, a coincidentally a public relations person, and she went on a, a trip to um, on vacation to Africa, and she wrote this tweet. I don't know if you've heard this one before or not, but she tweeted out, you know, I'm going to Africa. Uh, I hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. That was her tweet. Yeah. And it was a, this was a famous one. Uh, Ooh, and she ended yeah. up getting... That while so she was on a plane to to Africa, and this and and the the, the Twitter universe went crazy, and they were yeah. uh, obliterating her on Twitter. And essentially, the the thought process was that uh, you know she was she actually was lost her job while she was still uh, in the air, you know, on that plane. And she yeah. landed to, in South Africa and found that you know the whole world knew who she was and was ripping her online. So yeah. sometimes people just do things. They make a mistake, and they make a mistake, and you know, in one, in some case, they're they're either they do something behaviorally, or they do something, um, you know, where they, uh, um, you know, they 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 write they they write something, or they they jot something down, and you know, maybe they they think they're funny and they're not, um, and you end up getting uh, really getting kind of crucified online, and that's mm-hmm. those are, those are there, and there's there are many more many more uh, instances of this that have happened over time. Of course. And, you know, again, what what is um, fascinating for me is that even at the time of doing it, like the lady did, I mean, um, she she saw the um, uh, the output of her thinking uh, through her own filter. And this is it. I mean, we can only be in our own heads. We have no idea how someone is going to receive that information, which in a way is quite uh, scary because not knowing it shouldn't necessarily prevent us from doing it, but just should give us more pause for um, concern or, or thinking. Uh, you were saying there are three categories, and I, I was just curious to know more. So uh, what's sure. the next one that the challenge the other one is? one when when, is when you're essentially associated with something that, uh, you know, something that went wrong. So, uh, for example, there was a, a situation, um, and I've covered this before. I've written uh, blogs about this, and this is an example that's in my book. Uh, it was a young guy who worked for a, uh, a, was a student at a university, worked for a store at the university, and was an assistant manager at the store. And the lady who ran the store, who was the university employee, she, uh, passed, <clears throat> she passed away. And they did an audit after she passed away, and it turned out that there was some money missing. And so she, uh, they, they did this investigation, and as part of the investigation, police questioned the student who was the assistant manager. Now they questioned him. They didn't arrest him. They never charged him, and they um, they he voluntarily um, let the police see his laptop, and he was eventually cleared of any wrongdoing. But the newspaper for the the university, the student-run newspaper, wrote a story about the case, 
and they wrote they wrote that this student and they put his name in the story that he had been questioned by police. So uh, again, you kind of fast forward a couple of years, and this guy, this student is out of out of school, and he's looking for a job, and he's in finance. And so when uh, a human resource person goes and does a Google search on this potential job candidate, they see his name associated with an embezzlement. And you know he couldn't this guy he couldn't get a job he couldn't he couldn't even get an interview because he and, and God knows how many times you know he wasn't even you know he wouldn't even know what happened because essentially he's been connected to something that uh, you know was a, was a wrongdoing and it wasn't none of he didn't do anything wrong but he's associated with it and those situations also happen happen frequently where uh, sometimes it's um, an employee you know an employee of your company could do something could do something wrong. And you end up, your business ends up paying the price. So, you know, so the first kind of online nightmare is one where, you know, an individual does something. Uh, the second online nightmare is where somebody who's, where you're associated with something that's gone wrong, but essentially you have nothing, has, has nothing to do with you. I um I don't know if you have Netflix or uh, you watch this, but I recently uh, watched this movie. It's called The Lost honor of Christopher Jeffries and it's based on a real story and what happened he was a landlord and someone one of his tenants um, was murdered and he was uh, the first suspect and taken to into custody and interviewed in the end they found out who the real killer was but the guy couldn't walk away he was a bit of an oddball so that made it a lot uh, worse, but he couldn't walk uh, away from the reputation, all the media, all the um, news and papers uh, created. So it was a big deal in England because in the end he contributed to the change in legislation. So it's absolutely um, terrible when something like this happened. Um, you also talk about um, uh, a third category. What is that one, John? Right. The third category is when you are, you know, truly victimized. Um, that's the third, the third online nightmare. And that's when a, you know, for example, someone decides to um, write a, you know, a hate blog about you or about your company or, um, you know, that, or when someone is essentially uh, attacking you and you have no, uh, you know, you, again, you haven't done anything online, you haven't written anything online, but you're being essentially being attacked by someone else. And again, those situations happen. I've seen situations where, you know, a, um, you know, kind of a scorned lover uh, gets very upset with their, uh, um, you know, with their, their former significant other, and they decide to, uh, you know, develop a blog about it. I've seen um, many situations where you have, you know, corporations that um, have, uh, you know, where, where investors from corporations feel as though that the you know the management of a company is is, is not doing a good job, and they go out and, and do do you know kind of attack pieces and post on social media and post online and create blog posts, and so sometimes you get yourself stuck in a situation that you know maybe you did something wrong, maybe not, but even it's all kind of a, a judgment call. You know, I mean, you know, again, if you have a if you have a bad breakup. You know, there's why'd you have a bad breakup? Well, it's none of it's no, it's really none of our business why you had a bad breakup. But all of a sudden, if your ex girlfriend or ex boyfriend is out there, you know, writing blog posts about about your your relationship, then you you know you you have a problem on your hands. And I've seen that uh, on again, I've seen that on numerous occasions. I can I can absolutely imagine. You know, it, it was interesting the the emotional um, the emotional implication of those decisions where people decide to actually go online and uh, attack someone um, is uh, obviously very deep. And as you said, I think it's more um, uh, not more personal. I think it becomes very personal for someone to engage in this campaign. And as it always happens. Some emotions tie or feed into 
existing emotions that uh, are not necessarily um, inducive of uh, of good decisions. So I personally, um, my husband and I w- were married in Venice and, and um, I used a hairdresser who turned out to be an absolute crook um, and was um, uh, taking advantage of the local tourists going to Venice, Venice, uh, Italy, uh, for right. um, for weddings. And it's funny because it really angered me and it spoiled the last two, three days of our uh, honeymoon. I ended up at a police station to have to give statements. But I... Um, I wanted to do something online because I knew that he is going to victimize other people. But in the end, I let go because I walked away from the situation um, on the right and uh, I let it go. So I wasn't angry so much with the person. I was angry with the situation, what he created. But then I walked away from it and I didn't write. And it's interesting that people will spend a lot more time to attack someone when there's uh, something a lot more personal uh, to them. We talk about uh, uh, people being Googled, and I know that uh, your third chapter is about that, the internet where bad news stays forever. Um, what did you mean by that? Tell us more. The concept that you, know, you don't need an online reputation is a, is a, is a, is a fallacy because you, you will be Googled. I mean, that when you go, employers, for example, when they go to... Uh, look at a, look at a potential employee. They type their name into Google. I mean, they've surveyed human resource professionals, and they've all said we look for some, we look for um, we look at we look at people's online reputation, and we look at what they're doing, and they list all the different reasons why people you know uh, why they why they choose not to uh, to hire people, and they look at how you're behaving online. Um, they look at how uh, they look at how what you post about and and how and how you post and so if you go on if you go if someone if a potential employer goes and sees your um, looks at your your Facebook profile and you haven't set your privacy settings right and they see that you are uh, you know that that they see behavior that they don't think is um, the right type of behavior that they want to see in their from from a potential employer from employee then they're not going to hire you um, the businesses. Are being checked online all the time. You know, you decide. You know, from everything from, you know, how do I, uh, you know, what's the phone number if I want to give them a call, or what's the address, what are their hours of operation, where do you go? You type it into Google, and what comes up has a lot of impact on um, on on the business. So if someone, you know, one of the things that happens is if is that uh, some of these review sites, for example. So you give the, your example of the hairdresser in Venice. If um, someone's on, if someone's in Venice and they need to get a, their their hair styled, and they type in Venice hairdresser, and up comes the name, and you know it's X Y Z hair salon, and then you type that into the search bar, um, you're very likely that on the first page of of the search bar, you're going to get first page, you're going to see uh, reviews of this um, of this hairdresser. Uh, on sites like Yelp and Google Reviews and other other review sites, and so you you have to be aware of all this as as a business owner um, and also as an individual that your the per- perception of what you are is driven by what people see online in many cases, and so you know the fact that you didn't post this review about the hairdresser. I mean, I understand psychologically why you didn't want to do it. Um, but at the same time, if you really wanted to, you know, to to flag this person, this business, you know, you could have posted a, a review on Yelp or one of the other sites, and uh, it would it would have an impact on this person, on their on their business, and on their reputation. That that is true. So um, I may be even reconsidering now, although maybe he would have uh, uh, learned his lessons and and uh, not have done it. But it's um, it's. Fascinating, everything you're saying. What happens if um, uh, someone cannot be found on Google? Is just uh, is that just as bad news as having um, um, a bad reputation on Google? You, um, when you, what do you mean? Do you mean in other words, if if you're looking if you can't find somebody's can't name? Find I mean, it's I'm, I'm listening to uh, to you, and and I'm, I haven't hired people. Um, in the last couple of years since I've had my company. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm becoming aware that people do actually check employers. Uh, 
whatever relationship, people who are looking for business people, um, they sure. do check things on Google and, and sometimes the names don't come up. And is that just as much of a sign in your experience that um, that person is not known? That's an interesting question, and, I, and it's probably um, it's probably a question that that's a better better answered by someone who's in the human resources um, in the human resources um, business. But I'll tell you the other side of that, uh, the flip side of that. And sure. one of the things that I hear all the time, and I've heard this from people who have found themselves with an online problem, is they say things like, well, I tried to basic, I tried to avoid social media. I tried to avoid Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. And they essentially act, say, you know, I, try, I tried to, to, to stay off the grid. That, you know, when somebody searched my name, that they won't find anything. And... Um, it's it's a it's a it's a very common uh, concept. It's a very common idea that I, I hear from I hear from folks. They say, "Well, listen, if there's nothing out there, if I'm not on Twitter, I can't. If I don't have a Twitter account. How can I write a bad tweet? If I'm not sure. on link, if I'm not on Facebook or Instagram, I can't post a picture of myself in a compromised position. You know, I can have you know all those things. The problem with that is that the internet will find a way." Um, the the internet will if 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 you don't have a Twitter account and a LinkedIn account and you don't have any uh, any presence on the on online there there's still information about you online there's still public information out there if you have a house you know there might be a there might be a, a listing for for when you're for when you bought your house um, there might be a media story that you were uh, you were mentioned in. There might be a uh, you know any number of things. It's it's actually it's incredibly difficult to actually have a, a clean slate online, and the problem with that, what I'm describing, is that now you're you're out of you're out of control. You have no control over your online reputation. You're essentially leaving it to someone else. And the situations that I was describing a moment ago, where I've had people who have online problems say that to me. So what happens is is that. They have they they they're not on Facebook. They're not on LinkedIn. They're not on Twitter. They don't have a, they don't have a website. And then all of a sudden something happens, and uh, you know they have a fight with their they have a fight with their girlfriend, and and it's it's a, they have a really bad breakup. And all of a sudden she posts something online. So then the person has no defense. So so when you go in and type that person's name, uh, the first thing that comes up is the hate blog written by the girlfriend. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally makes sense. So I was just uh, uh, thinking to ask this question. So are you saying that really at this point uh, in, in this date and age, we are um, actually better off creating an online presence that we monitor and shape um, the way we want. I mean, uh, one doesn't have to tweet hundred times a day, but uh, better than wait for um, the internet to create our reputation outside of our control. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, that's a that's a main tenet of, uh, of 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 my thinking and what I've written about in my book. The most people, if they're looking to to find you online generally what they're looking for, if they're talking about a business or they're looking for an individual, what are they looking for? In my opinion, they're generally looking at how do they contact you? How do they find you? How do they, I, want, you know, I, want to, I, want to, I want to call Lara. I want to reach her business. I want to send an email to this person. Some simple things like that. What's the business's hours of operation? Where are they located? How do I find their Google? How do I get, you know, I want to make, I want to go find, I want to put them into my GPS so I can go find, so I can go drive there. So you want, you're, you want people to find the real you, you know, and the, the authentic you. And if the, that information isn't available and all of a sudden uh, just someone just wants to reach out and find you, but there's no, there's no digital data easily, easily available to, to them on Google, then they're going to find whatever Google serves up. And if someone has done something as, as attacking you, or let's say, again, or you're the victim of circumstance like we described before, or... You know, you did something, you, you made a mistake, you know, 10, 20 years ago that's now found its way online. You know, then you have no, the, if you've not built up an online reputation, 
of any kind, then you're, you're at the mercy of this information. And so one of the things that, that I, I recommend is, you know, you should, have, uh, you should have your main social media accounts. You should have a Twitter account, even if you don't post that much to it. You should have a uh, LinkedIn account, even if you don't spend much time there. You should have a Facebook account. Again, even if you have a small, narrow group of friends and, you know, you don't, you don't spend a ton of time there. And the reason is, is because those are high-authority websites. There are websites that, that get you know, millions and millions of views every day that are seen as top sites by the search engines. And so if you, were to, if you don't have a Twitter account and you get one and you associate your actual name with it, um, when people search on Google, one of the things that they'll find on the first page will be your Twitter account. And, and what that does a couple of different things. Number one is if you want people to be able to find you, then they can either you know, find you through Twitter or you might post your email address or something on your Twitter page. And then the other thing is that if something negative were to come down the road, that's one more, you know, one more listing on Google that the negative listing has to try to, to supersede. Uh, it gives you, you know, I call it the reputational firewall. You know, try to take control of your own page one of Google search because you, that, that will prevent something, you know, will prevent negative things, you know, take, have, having an impact on your results. It's a, so it's a, I'm a, it's, sometimes it's counterintuitive to people who think they want to be private. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. So do you think that there is any, and, and you know, as I said, uh, John, this is going to go very quickly, and there's so much more I want to know. So I'm definitely having you back online, and, and I'm online on the show, because I know that there will be people asking more questions. I received a couple of them. Are you aware of any measurements that Internet service providers are uh, doing um, uh, to actually um, help protect us, or is, does it go back to that? old age conflict between protection versus human rights or, or well, freedom of, uh, of there, speech? There are certain things. I mean, I think that really the, the main battlefield when it comes to online reputation issues is, is Google. And uh, Google has, done a, has actually done a, a number of things, um, you know, over the years to help people with online issues. They've, uh, if, if, for example, you know, someone posts your, like your social security number, gets posted on a, on a website, or other like a government issued identification number, things like that. You can you can petition Google, and Google will remove those sites from their search engine. Um, there's a whole new um, new recommendations or new guidelines for how to handle uh, revenge porn, uh, and that's something that's been new in the past six months. And you know, because Google is really the main the main battleground. That's where you know sure. the, 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 the the most search traffic is coming from. Um, they're the ones who have the most control over this, and they're the ones who are uh, at the at the forefront of some of these, you know, pr- some of these efforts to protect people's uh, uh, reputation online. Yeah, and um, you're talking about um, um, how businesses should build a reputational firewall. Um, how how do businesses do that? It's a similar manner to um, to individuals. I mean, your business, you should. Um, you should have you should have a website. You should have a website with you know with the name of your business you know in the um, in the keywords and the metadata of your website so that so that's easily found by by the search engines. You should have a Facebook page. You should have a Twitter page. You should have a LinkedIn page. Uh, you should claim your um, claim your 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 business name on sites like Yelp and uh, TripAdvisor. And the reason is that, those, again, those are all high-authority websites that are seen as strong websites by Google. And so you'd rather have you know, visitors who are coming looking for the name of your business find those sites because those sites are essentially going to be controlled by you. You know, you'll control your LinkedIn page. You control your, um, your, Facebook, your business Facebook page. You control your uh, – you can have – uh, interaction with people, with your customers on Yelp and sites like TripAdvisor, Angie's List, things like that. So those are the, the, the main things that the, the businesses should be doing is they should have, is, is, is really look at those high authority sites which, and, and have, which have the potential to do damage to them um, if, if, if left unchecked. And so 
they they really they, you need to go in and look at all of those all those possibilities and make sure that, that when when people are are searching for information they find you because you want the, you want to answer that question first again like I said before why are they googling you well most likely they're googling you because they want to call you they want to email you they want to text you or they want to find where you're located and you don't want them to find when they're going to do that you don't want them to find a whole bunch of negative stuff. Makes total sense. I know that you talked about staying off the grid is not an option, uh, and you have a chapter in your book, and you reference there your Huffington Post interview with Mark Cuban. So what is that about? Well, Mark Cuban is an interesting guy. I mean, as everyone knows, one of the sharks from Shark Tank, and he, uh, I interviewed him. He has a, a stake in a website called uh, CyberDust, or an application called CyberDust. Mm-hmm. And... What Cyberdust is is it's a it's a messaging platform where the uh, where where the messages disappear after a period of time, and so there's no there's no digital trace, and uh, and that's that's one of the um, one of the areas where you know he, he's he's very interested in that. Actually, you know he's been put, he's been subpoenaed um, for he's had his text messages subpoenaed, and he believes that. Um, he didn't like that, and one of the things that, that he talked about in my interview with him was how that, you know, when we have a conversation, you know, two people have a conversation, and it's gone, you know. I mean, if you're standing, you're standing face-to-face with a person or you're talking to someone on the phone and it's not being recorded, you know, you have a conversation, you say something, and listen, some people, you know, things get misunderstood, there's nuances to conversations, there's intonation, all these things, and, you know, he believes that, that, that uh, messages like text messages, you know, don't need to be around forever, you know, and that that and the, that's why they cre- he created this site called uh, Cyberdust. I'm sorry, application called Cyberdust. And when you can when you when you uh, communicate on Cyberdust, you essentially send a message, and then a few moments later, it uh, it disappears. Very interesting. Um, how about what things um, can be done? What what can be done uh, if something like this happens to to you? I know, again, that it's something you you discuss in your, uh, present in your book. And I'm just looking at the time, and I know that we're coming uh, to the end of the show probably four minutes away. So if you could just go through those so we can um, cover them all, because they're very interesting. Sure. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, the first thing is that when something, if something is negative is posted about, about you online or about your business online, the best, the best case is to try to reach out to the source of the, of the post and uh, essentially ask them to take it down um, and, and explain to them why, they, why you'd like them to take it down. Um, sometimes you can, you can go to a uh, – sometimes things get posted on uh, forum sites and things like that, and you can go to the forum operator and ask them to take things down, things like that. That's sort of the first – the, the the first the first choice um, is you know look for a way to sort of negotiate I say I say negotiate beg plead um, try to get people to, to, to get things removed um, the other thing is a, a tactic called suppression and suppression isn't really removing something it's essentially you post more information online you try to post uh, to high authority websites and, and the idea is being to try to push down the negative result this is the reputation.com uh, model and the idea is that you post, you kind of flood the internet and the web with positive things about your topic and about your about your business, and that'll push the negative things down. Um, and that that um, that works in some cases. It doesn't always work. Google is caught up to that a lot. Um, but you know, and, and the downside, of course, is that a negative a negative post, even if it's on page two, it's still online. And then the the third one is uh, what I kind of call the the black ops of. Uh, of, of reputation management, and there are there are folks out there who, um, you know, who've worked at these search engines and who kind of know some tricks and uh, know some different tactics, and you know, you can go and, and, and they can they can perform some some magic for uh, often at a high price tag, but it can be done where you can get things delisted from Google search or removed from websites at the hosting level, um, but that's an that's a, that's, a, that's another another option. Interesting. So are you saying that there are uh, organizations out there who can actually, uh, for a high price tag, clean up your, um, your online record? Without question. Without question. I mean, it's, all, uh, it's very specialized, and there's some things that can be done. I've worked with some of these folks. Um, there's some, some sites where you can get things taken down. Uh, it takes some work. It takes some time. It takes some money. 
but it can be done. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's an area that a lot of, a lot of folks don't, don't, don't understand, and it's, um, it's continually uh, changing because the, the Internet and the World Wide Web are continually changing and the search ends are continually changing how they operate. But there's, there, there's, there are always options um, to dealing with uh, with negative negative information online. So, John, I had an, uh, a blast because I've learned so much, and and uh, uh, seriously speaking, as I'm getting ready to put uh, that uh, first video on uh, YouTube, and of course, link it to everything else uh, that I have. Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and everything. I'm suddenly so much more uh, aware of uh, what I'm doing. If you had like few words of uh, final words of wisdom for people listening out there, uh, where to look uh, first? What would you say? And we literally have like one minute. Well, I, I think the first thing is that you have to really kind of like follow the old rules that maybe your your mother your mother and father told you. You know, if you don't want, you know. Don't say something. Don't write something. If you you know if you wouldn't want to see it on the front page of the newspaper, that's kind of my the first rule, is you know re, you know you got to if you can prevent sort of some of this negative some of this behavior from happening first, that's your best your best defense. Um, and I think the other is then you know the other sort of cardinal rules of life. You know treat other people like you want to be like you want to be treated because if you don't, then they could come back and and, and bite you online. And then the last one is that you know there are options when things go wrong online, and they can be um, they can be mitigated. Uh, it, like I said, it takes some time, it takes some energy, but they can be uh, they can be mitigated. But the first is you know keep your nose clean, treat other people with respect, you know, and then you know look at your options if something goes wrong. That's excellent. Thank you very much for your time and all the wisdom, John. And I do look forward to talk to you again. And for everyone else out there, have a wonderful week. And I'll be back with Because There's More next Monday. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in because there's more.